welcome back to another episode of V Pirate Radio. We're excited to talk at you all again, uh, trying to maintain as much of a regular schedule of these as we can, but it's not always easy and we're busy. Things with travel and whatnot. So yeah, it's it's actually been two weeks um, since, since our last recording, so we're, we've maintained the schedule at least once now, so... Um, excited to to talk to you guys a bit. Um, yeah, I mean, for me, the last couple of weeks, um, it's just been kind of bearing down on work. Um, you know, for those who don't know, I do have a podcast that I use for or I do for um, the day job and do it as a season based thing. So it ends up being a couple of really, really intense months of planning and recording podcasts for that. So that's that's been a huge chunk of what I've been been working on the last few weeks. Um, Joe, you've got some, uh, some stories to tell, so let's go to you next. <laughs> Howdy y'all. It's, uh, it's good to be back. Uh, apparently I missed recording the last episode because I think I was still in a, uh, lack of sleep induced coma from coming back from trip to, uh, Australia. So that's been fun. Uh, I think I have now actually done what seven in-person, uh, VMUG user cons this year. So this is, this is been, uh, as Kyle already dubbed it, uh, Joe Hughes sessions as a service by VMUG this year, which has been kind of hilarious. Uh, yeah, honestly, it was, it was a great trip. Um, fantastic opportunity to be able to go down and, and, uh, be in Australia for a week and a half. Uh, I think it's amazing that folks in this industry can get to the point that we can have international friends everywhere that are, you know, willing to pick you up at the airport before 7am on a Saturday on the other side of the world. That's just kind of awesome. Yes. Um, and yeah, just trying to get back in the swing of things. Uh, I'm now getting ready to close up shop here and, uh, and head to the first full in-person conference of the year with uh, Cisco live next week. So I fly out for that on Sunday and even after all of the other travel and all of the single day in-person events, I've got to say, I'm still a little bit leery about, uh, going to the first fully fledged conference again. And I'm totally expecting I'm actually going to get COVID from this one. So what about you, Jim? So not counting the COVID, I'm actually having some serious FOMO with you from not being able to go to Cisco live this year. Um, it sounds like a great show. And as that person that repeatedly answered the question on the survey, what band would you like to hear as Dave Matthews band? This is the year that they're going to do Dave Matthews band when I'm not going. Uh, so, you know, that's great, but I'm sure you will have a good time. Um, uh, I'm doing well. I am actually here in sunny Georgia this week, visiting some friends, recording the podcast on the back deck. So if there's birds chirping and wonderful things like that, you have me to thank. Um, uh, and I'm not even mad about that. Uh, been super busy with work, doing all kinds of skunk works, uh, labby type fun stuff. Um, I have become the object bucket man. Um, and it's not cool. Like I could turn it upside down and play it with drumsticks, but like data storage object buckets. Um, but yeah, it's been, it's been a good time. How about you, Matt? Uh, a lot of business as usual. Um, I've started to actually take a new, uh, course through eCornell on product management, which, uh, it's, it's been something I've been interested in for a while, you know, um, benefits for me from a, you know, my current role as a TAM to be able kind of speak to product managers and understand a little their lingo, if you will. Um, but B, it's just always something that sort of interested me. Um, 
So yeah, you know, kicking that off, you know, throwing some time at it. Um, you know, it doesn't leave much for way of free time lately. Um, you know, which can definitely get aggravating as you know, you start to get the kids nagging about things like, oh, can you upgrade the Minecraft server, or you know, uh, the ring doorbell starts acting up. You know, just trying to find ways to sort of sneak in a lot of the day-to-day stuff. But um, no, you know, overall things are good. Yeah, so you mentioned upgrading Minecraft servers, and that kind of brings us to um, close to the topic at hand, at least. Um, we kind of wanted to talk a little bit about Internet of Things and you know, the big push for putting more computer devices running around our network doing, doing things, sometimes doing things for us, um, sometimes controlled by voice or our phone, um, doing a lot of different things. Um, you know, not, not, not to say that any of us are lazy, but, um, there's a lot of things that we just don't want to deal with and, and makes life a lot easier. Of course, the joke is always the internet connected refrigerator, washer, dryer. I laugh at that, but I know people that are dead serious about that kind of stuff and being able to know that, Hey, my washing machine is clearer on the other side of the house and I need to know when it's done. And my phone tells me your, your laundry is done. Go change it over to the dryer. So I see the value in a lot of those. I personally am not huge on it. Um, we'll get into some of those reasons here. Um, but you know, it's, it's something that's kind of taken over the world a bit. Um, I know people that are super into, to playing with them. Um, I've actually done a little bit of building my own, which is the only reason I really put any in my house is just because I find cool use cases to, to learn and, and do things with. So a lot of raspberry Pis running around my house at different times. Um, sometimes they die and I get tired of it and decide to repurpose it for something else or just let it sit on the shelf for a while. Um, but yeah, so there's, there's a lot of that. Um, so I, I tend to be one of those who don't use a lot of those. Um, I'm curious to you guys, what, what kind of IOT do you have going on in your houses? Uh, so mine's actually pretty lightweight, actually. Um, mostly it's the thermostats. Um, we've got, I've got quite a few light switches. Actually, I'm going to sit here and say it's lightweight and then reel off like a long list. Uh, <laughs> got some light switches. Um, got some power outlets. Um, there's more than that. I don't really have the cameras. I haven't got into the ring and all that kind of stuff because of, I'm not a big fan of having cameras anyway. Um, and wanting to try to stay, uh, clear of some of the security things that get with it, um, personally, but I don't know. How about the rest of you guys? So, yeah, yeah, I, I've got a fair mix of things, uh, kind of like you, Jim, you know, um, some light switches, some light bulbs, uh cameras uh kind of double you know dual purpose um you know you got the ring camera and stuff you know there's a bit of a security component to it for sure um i also back on to a lot of green space and stuff so part of me is also like yeah you know i want to see the fox run through the backyard or you know something like that so i've got some cameras put up there as well um i've also got some air tags i i love those i actually 3d printed some cases for them and I stick them under the um, seats for my kid's bike. So once again, kind of a dual purpose, you know, in case there's any sort of bike theft going on. But uh, similarly, just kind of know where their bike is. If they say, hey, they're going to the park, I can actually pull up and see, okay, yeah, the bike was still at the park as of you know, six minutes ago or something like that. Um, how about you, Joe? Yeah, it sounds like I'm I'm going to be the uh, the worst of the mix here. I've got the cameras. I've got even the... Uh 
Google Nest for both um, thermostat and then went Nest for replacing all of the uh, smoke alarms to smoke in CO2 uh, detectors, uh, or sorry, carbon monoxide detectors uh, here in the house. And yeah, just with kids and random projects and stuff, I've got a handful of other things. And I mean, I'm always the weirdo that's got the extra home automation stuff where it's not necessarily required to. So like I've got a uh, remote for my uh, capability to open up my garage door um, via, you know, app or remote control. And I started getting into home assistant. So I've got quite a few IOT things that are here on a, on a, segregated network but just to be able to have uh connectivity and have local control for a lot of stuff and i I do my best to at least break away from a lot of the corporate stuff um where it doesn't really make sense but then most recently with us doing the kitchen remodel i ended up with a range and a refrigerator that are iot devices um so kind of cool i think because of the fact that i do occasionally leave my fridge door open when i like go grab the milk or something so my phone starts beeping at me after like three minutes that's actually a thing yes yeah samsung smart things it will actually tell me that 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 it's no 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 No, my my refrigerator beeps when we leave it open but i'm just talking about leaving the refrigerator door open being a thing like that blows my oh. mind that you would do that. Yeah. yeah, yeah <laughs> Occasionally, just from the spot where it sits in, I, I don't, you know, push the door hard enough to close it, I guess. That's, you know, so maybe that's just me. But I'm going to say it's, it is kind of nice, though, man. My, my range actually being able to uh, notify me that, like, the preheating is, is done is nice. So you can know exactly, like, how quickly you can get your, uh, your pizza rolls in there. So <laughs> let me ask you this. With, with that many devices, are you running IPv6? Are you like the one person uh, doing it? <laughs> no, no, I'm not. No, sadly for all of my network guys, even internally, IPv6 can go die in a dumpster fire. That's just not <laughs> going to happen. And I got to say, Matt, I'm I'm surprised that you mentioned the foxes in your backyard, but not the geese when you were talking about the cameras. <laughs> maybe maybe someday I'll record out there so and uh, give some listeners uh, some audio magic. The soothing sounds. I, I need a bird can. Yeah. yeah, the bird cam. Yeah. So one of the things that, for me, one of the reasons why I don't run a lot of IoT um, is just having to support it. Like when I'm when my wife is used to getting that alert from you know the range saying, "Hey, we've we've preheated. It's it's ready to to go in." And granted, we we rarely ever wait for it to preheat anyway. And my wife wouldn't want that functionality to begin with, so it's a little bit of a stretch, but. When it stopped working, she's going to complain and I'm going to have to be the one to fix it and figure out why it's not working. And honestly, I don't carry a pager anymore. I got out of that because I got sick of having to support and and having to be on the hook to fix things and people staring over my shoulder, wondering why it's not fixed yet. And the last thing I want to do is is have that at home with me all the time. So I, I guess you guys all have more than I do. So I'm curious about what kind of experiences you have with, with supporting that kind of stuff. Well, so like I said, I'm, I'm currently out of town and we've got uh, a person that stays at our house with our dogs while we're gone. And to give you an idea as, as well, actually, I don't need to give you guys an idea. You guys get to live it in live, in live stream. Uh, I tend to have internet issues at my house. It's, it's crazy. No. I don't know nobody would, would imagine that. Um, so literally the entire drive to where I'm at was, uh, 
me texting and calling with my person at the house, walking them through how to reboot the router, you know, how to get the Roku TVs on and uh, all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, it, it definitely becomes a um, early and often telephone call. Um, and then you start trying to get into remote connectivity kind of things for the more <laughs> advanced things. Like uh, I've got some family that live out of town that they have a little bit of light uh, IoT type devices that I'll support. And that's when you start getting into, here's the way that I can give myself a backdoor into their network so that I can support these things for them. And that's that's kind of important in these day and age. Yeah, I will say, um, like I, I by far do more damage to myself with the IoT devices and everything because of the fact that I typically turn on all the alerts for everything just to see what stuff will do until it gets annoying and the nostalgia burns out. And then I'm like, oh my God, turn it off. My wife will absolutely not ever turn on alerts for pretty much anything. Like she, she won't catch the notifications for uh, our cameras half the time, you know, when, when it's people walking past the house or like the kids when they go outside because she doesn't get the alerts and she doesn't turn off the, uh, the, the snooze function for like the, uh, the motion sensor for the cameras in the back. So it takes six times of me getting alerted that my kids are running around like crazy before I go in and mute everything. But at the same time, like to the similar point of Jim, I have remote connectivity set up for uh, my mom's house that is way in the middle of BFE South Texas to be able to remote in and, and help when she has problems with stuff like that. Or I just had a, a conversation with my dad this week where I was over at his house because we had some family that was in from Tennessee and my, <clears throat> I, I won't even say the connection of family because it's a long convoluted story of, of how to get to that like 17th odd cousin sort of thing. But basically one of the guys who was there was the, the local uh, deputy police chief. And he was trying to tell my dad that he should absolutely get a camera on the front door because typically he leaves his big, you know, screened glass door open all the time and doesn't ever check to see who's there. When somebody like rings the doorbell, he just goes to answer it. This made, you know, my family, I don't know, rather upset or something or, or concerned for him. So they were trying to convince him that he needs to go get a doorbell camera so he naturally turns to me and says like, Hey, so I'm thinking about this. What do I do? And I said, well, you know, based on the system that I've got, I can get you a similar setup. It's like a $200 investment in this thing. But the cool thing about it is that that means my dad can also share that access with me so I can walk him through it. I can support it for him remotely or, or physically at his house. But then I can also keep an eye on like my dad, and my uncle when they're home or when they're not home and things like that. So should there be some sort of a medical emergency or something, it gives me that extra, you know, level of being able to know what's going on over there. Should something come up? Yeah. And you know, it, I'm a, I, it's, it's funny. I hate Wi-Fi. I hate, hate it with a passion, but it's so convenient, right? Uh, any chance I get, if I have any sort of IOT device, you know, even stuff like a TV, I'll do my best to actually run it. You know, so it's physically cabled just because that reduces so much in the way of troubleshooting, especially so if it's for, you know, uh, an in-law, a parent, you know, basically someone else's house. But where it becomes really slippery is things like, you know, Alexa's. Oh, sorry if that's going to set everyone's, you know, device off. Um, but you, you, you can't really wire those in, right? Um, and yeah, you know, Joe, to your point, it's cool when you can kind of get that remote access, but, you know, putting my sort of security hat on while, 
what, what's that mean from a security standpoint? If you could get remote access, okay, it's clearly talking back to a server somewhere. Even if it's not, it's still open to the internet in some fashion. So, you know, I, I guess a question for, you know, you gents on the line here, like what are your thoughts around, you know, concerns, whether it's things calling back home, you know, we see so many stories about things calling back home, whether it's to China, to Amazon, to, to whatever. Is that something that concerns you? Is that something that you investigate? You know, how do you handle that? Yeah, I mean, that's definitely one of the reasons why, or the other reason why I kind of hesitate is is just the security aspect of things, because I'm pretty sensitive to that kind of stuff. Um, you know, my my family isn't really highly connected. And so, you know, that privacy of them is important to me. Like, I don't want to expose my children to people knowing much about them and, and therefore being able to, you know, the, the whole concept of security in a corporate scenario works the same in the home and the ability to socially engineer people requires information. And I want to make it difficult for people to figure out, you know, who my kids are and and try to take advantage of, of that. Um, And, you know, putting cameras in the house, putting um, stuff that knows when our lights are turning on and off automatically and, Know, potentially sending that information back to China or to some place that who knows where that information is going. Um, anybody who pays any attention to location tracking um, and what they've been able to do with supposedly, well, with truly a nom- a nom- Oh, wow. That's hard to say. And to see what they've been able Manomana. to do. Yeah. <laughs> and to see what they can do with, you know, truly anonymized data is pretty crazy um in the fact that they could say okay well we don't know who this person is but given the fact they will go to this location and this location and this location the only oddity is this location they go to and oh my gosh that person's doing something really bad because they're not supposed to be in that location because now we figure out who they are based on the other locations um that kind of stuff scares me man like i don't i don't want that information out there for anybody to yeah get. i agree i uh yeah, we've gone round and round. And I'll be honest, it was when we built our house a few years ago was when I really deep dived into, um, you know, all the security methods and, and things around IoT. Um, so I'll be honest that some of that is missed, has left my mind at this point. But at the same time, there's just some basic principles. Like, like I said earlier, I'm not a fan of cameras that much just for the sake of cameras. Um, easily hackable. Um, at one point in time, my daughter very much so wanted an Alexa device in her bedroom so she could play music and things like that. And after seeing a few of the, you know, I can just, I guess there was the capability to call Alexa to Alexa. Um, I didn't love the idea of having a single digit child with that kind of device without much monitoring. Um, there's just there's just a lot you have to take into consideration for this stuff. I mean, we're talking about door locks, people. I mean, these are, you know, things that can be remotely in garage door openers and things like that, that, you know, all need to be taken into consideration and you need to protect these like you would, you know, if you're willing to put a lock on your house, you need to be sure that you're protecting this stuff just as much, uh, if not more, because it's the same keys. Yeah. And, you know, Jim, just to kind of almost counter that point, um, you know, going back to the, you know, um, let's call it personal speaker devices. Um, you know, we've grown to actually love them in our 
house specifically because we use them as an intercom, right? You, you can make announcements in every room. Hey, you know, dinner's ready, right? And you can call the kids. It, <laughs> it cuts down on the amount of yelling <laughs> that we're doing, to be perfectly frank. And I like that. You know, and even similarly, like with the garage, yeah, absolutely. Um, I like the fact that I get an alert when my garage door opens, you know, especially if I'm not home. Even more so, I like the reminder that tells me 10 minutes later that my garage door is still open because the number of times I'll come in with my hands full of groceries or, you know, uh, I'm outside and I start talking to the neighbor and then, you know, it's like, oh, well, since I'm out, I'll take the dog for a walk or something, right? And you end up leaving. You realize, hey, you know what? The garage door is still open. Um, so I do appreciate that aspect. Uh, but I'm reminded of a story from, you know, a few years ago, we were talking about um, door locks. And, you know, somebody had a door lock hooked up to, um, I think at the time it was uh, the Apple Home Kit. And the guy was talking to his neighbor about, oh, yeah, you know, um, I'll, I'll get something for you out of the garage when I get home tonight or stuff like that. And the neighbor's like, oh, no, I could get into your garage. And the guy's like, well, what do you mean? And the neighbor just went up to the window and he yelled really loud, you know, hey, Siri, open up the garage, right? And opens up the garage so wow. i don't have yeah i don't have voice stuff like that enabled I, I try to keep it fairly um almost archaic in a sense as in you know i if i want to open up the garage from my phone i actually need to go into the app and hit the open button i've disabled the voice integration intentionally because of stuff like that yeah my wife did get a little bit weirded out when i told her that you know there was the option to get uh, I think like a 20 or a $25 credit on Amazon for enabling the Amazon key service where they'll open your garage to like just chunk boxes inside and, and close it. So I turned it on for all of the one or two days that it was required to get the free credit and then like shut it off. But yeah, some of that stuff is, it's one of those things that a lot of people don't consider that the convenience is a trade-off for how many other people you're potentially opening up access to, or that you're just now saying, you know, yes, every Amazon person in the world, which you know has gone through all sorts of vetting by the time they get down to like that seventh level of contractor that's driving around to drop boxes is absolutely somebody who should have access to like your garage or the trunk of your car and things like that. It's, it's a consideration that I think a lot of people don't even have any clue of what they're trading off in privacy or security to get the convenience or honestly to just get stuff that they probably are too lazy to want to deal with or have to think about. So totally fine if everybody wants to subscribe to those sorts of services. I just feel like we're doing a disservice to a lot of people by not actually letting them know like these are the concerns you should have about this, or these are the things that you are giving up by checking the box, which unfortunately now comes along with all the 35 page long EULAs that nobody reads anymore. Cause you can't get to anything without just saying, I accept, take all my children. I don't care. Just, you know, I mean, what do you mean, Joe? You don't read the EULAs. That's, that's just light, you know, airplane reading for me. Shh. Just like ASMR in the background. I didn't say that. Uh, <laughs> <but> no, <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I still I'm still upset that we never stood up that other podcast that was just going to be us release reading. Notes. Uh, uh, what was it release notes? I think as, as tech yep. ASMR. Yeah, oh, what a mess. I still have the debate name. It, there's still time, but no, Joe. You I mean you really you hit the nail right on the head. I mean when you get right down to it, everything that we lump into the residential IoT space is a pure trading convenience versus security play. 
I mean, they're, they're, it, it's across the board that way. Um, and as the problem is, is we have to be responsible in the devices and the systems that we choose to go with, which is not always the hardest way, which is not always, excuse me, which is not always the easiest thing to do. Um, you have, you know, different, you know, competing uh, protocols, Zigbee and Z-Wave, and then some things are just Wi-Fi, um, especially for things that are Wi-Fi. Definitely want to consider if you're doing this stuff in your house. If you aren't, if you're listening to this podcast, um, you probably already know these things, but it's worth saying from until the cows come home. Um, you know, create another VLAN in your network and segment it and throw all of those home devices into it. That way, you know, babysitter X that's at the house that has, you know, a device can't discover your home devices. If you put an IoT device in your house, make sure that absolutely gets discovered, that it's act, that at no point in time is it installed somewhere in your house, but it's not configured into the system because those things will go into beaconing mode until you make them not. Um, so those are some things to think about. And, and really, I mean, God, I mean, this is an IT-focused podcast, so I shouldn't have to say this. But update your shit, people. I mean, don't don't let it just sit there and fester on the 2016 device. You know, when we when we first started building and I started, I was doing all the comparisons. I had, you know, spreadsheets with, you know, pivot tables and all kinds of crazy stuff to trying to decide which way I was going to go with my um, IoT stuff. I love the Wink infrastructure. Wink was great. Well, lo and behold, Wink gets bought by somebody famous i don't remember who but then it became a uh, a high paying subscription service that i wasn't willing to get into and it's like you your devices would continue to work but you wouldn't get the updates anymore i i still kind of wonder how many of those things are floating around there now just not getting updated at all um yeah oh, i'm lot. sure it's a lot but i mean a lot you know a lot you know we're all yeah. Well, I mean, so that's 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 some of it, though, right? It's not not only. I mean, for the for us being IT focused, yes, absolutely segment everything. Like I've got, I have one Internet of Things and one separate network of things uh, VLANs that I spun up for for differing devices, specifically so my IoT stuff that needs access can work. But I mean, it it gets forwarded directly off to like Open DNS for its DNS lookups. It doesn't even hit my pie hole. It touches absolutely nothing on my network. And I have firewall rules that allow my local devices to send like multicast over there for functionality to work, but nothing can talk back, right? I specifically have firewall rules, which is one of the, the other few things you didn't mention that basically say IP none go to hell for all of this stuff. Like it's allowed internet access, it's allowed DNS lookups and, and absolutely nothing else can work from VLAN to VLAN. But we're the folks that are also willing to put in the effort for that, right? You, I mean, you even mentioned Zigbee or Z-Wave to most people. They're going to have no concept of what it is. But you mentioned what might be the, the most recent Kickstarter craze from the last six months. And there's a good chance that 10% of the people, you know, bought one of those devices or at least saw it and thinks it's cool. It's the, the amount of effort that it takes to put in this thing to manage your own, to have stuff that is Zigbee or Z-Wave that runs on that protocol inside of your house versus, oh, well, this is a commoditized thing and it happens to be on sale on Amazon today. So I'm totally going to buy 15 of these. A lot of people don't want to 
deal with it because they want the ease of use of buying the product and having it not be their problem. And that's, that's the, the disconnect that I think a lot of people have is that it's their problem. They just think that it's not right. And every time one of these companies get spun up that starts these, these crazes for all the devices and things like that, that then get abandoned or that they stop doing software updates on, you know, these sorts of things are going to happen for, I mean, for most people, they're going to see it when, you know, they now have six-year-old Android phones for a lot of people that have stopped getting security updates, or they're getting to the point that after two years, vendors aren't pushing updates to these things anymore. But a lot of people don't think about it from the security aspect. They're only concerned about it with like their convenience or their use of the product. Look how many people started getting like pissed off to no end when Sonos said they were going to stop updating or supporting devices anymore. Right. Or, or when your random XYZ device is now old enough that it's not supported for you being able to like, you know, stream Plex or stream Spotify to it. That's about the only time people are going to care and worry. about. Yeah. I mean, the thing of it is, I mean, we, we've both mentioned C-Wave and Zigbee and, you know, the thing on Kickstarter and all those kind of things. Unfortunately, it's one of those things where the industry's kind of done, done us as the like consumer, a bit of a disservice because they've put it on the end cap at Home Depot. They've shown it all work together. And literally the directions are like three pictures that two of which involve plug it into the wall. Um, and you know, that's, if you're just getting into these kind of things, regardless of what it is, whether it's, you know, ring cameras or, uh, Schlage home locks that are based on Z-Wave, it's worth at least getting yourself, spend 10 minutes, get yourself conversant to the basics um, so that you know what you're looking at. Because, I mean, uh, who was it? I think it was Lowe's that in the last three years, they've had three different brands of IoT devices, like full lines that they've had spun up for them. And for whatever reason, have them just completely destroyed the ecosphere almost immediately. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That was I think that yeah. was all their Iris stuff that they spun up and then went through like a because I, I remember having to go through like three different versions of those hub that they give out for free yeah. upgrades. Because so I mean, it's just it's just a lot. Yeah, and honestly, that's one of the big things that has has made me avoid IoT as well is just knowing that it's going to be supported, it's going to be around that that ecosystem, whatever I would buy into is was going to exist and. I was really close to investing into um, the whole smarter things side of things. And I just sat there and I thought, I'm like, what if they decide to stop being a business? What if they get acquired? What if they shut down half this stuff? Um, I do have the Sono speakers, so I definitely fell into that. We're going to stop supporting it and was part of the part of the outcry. Like, you can't not support it. Like, I, I still have this thing and I don't want it to completely have to throw it out because of security reasons. but I might have to um i was i was really interested in um they had a, a local security con that happens um here in the omaha area every year and they do you know little villages of different things so like they have a lock picking village they have um hardware hacking and in the hardware hacking the two years i've been paying attention to them it's been they will provide you with one of those um smart plugs and then you actually go in and you start hacking it to, to remove all the call home functionality so that it no longer has to be cloud connected. And unfortunately, we also have this obsession. Again, we're doing ourselves a disservice. We also have this obsession of everything has to talk to the cloud. 
it's got a call to the cloud so that we can control it when we're not home and, and things like that. And that's a, that's good in some cases, but in other cases, it's not. So like, for example, one of the few um, smart plugs that I have, I more or less was just using it as a timer for when we were gone. And occasionally I'd log in there and turn it on and off, but you know, it didn't need to be internet connected. Like there was no purpose of it talking to the cloud. And so I said, forget that. I pulled that out and I used a regular old, you know, timer. And now that thing is sitting on the shelf because I don't know where it's calling back to, because now that I am aware of the fact that, you know, some of these, particularly the cheapest ones out there are automatically talking out to, to the cloud generally in China and, you know, who knows what kind of entry that could be into my environment. Like, I don't care if somebody knows that my, you know, my lamp turns off at this time and turns on at this time, but now it's something they've got a connection to and they've got some sort of access to it and who knows what they'll do with it someday. Uh, Joe, you may want to unmute. Yeah, I was going to ask if anyone else could not hear Joe. (laughs) Nope, my bad. Yeah, that was just me. That was was me on mute. I said something, but I was muted when I said it, so he didn't hear me say it. Oh, I gotta love it. Yeah, I was gonna say, especially for all the geeks in the audience that are running, um, you know, internet connected devices at home for for all the smart switches and things like that. Particularly for a lot of the uh, light switches and and things like that, there is the capability of running a lot of those and have them be strictly locally connected. Um, there are huge open source projects online, and if you search for most of the parts, especially a lot of the stuff you buy on Amazon, when you dig far enough down, you'll find out these are all um, Tuya devices, like TUYA, that are all typically run through like the Smart Life app. There is a really good open source project for um, this Tasmoda firmware that you can put on there. So you can have these things all be locally connected. You can still get all the same functionality through like MQTT for local switching on all of it and never have these devices talk to the cloud or at least add the capability that you can still flip things on and off in case your internet connection is down or their cloud service is offline or God knows what other reason it's going to have for not being able to communicate to things. So just think about stuff like that and go dig in to see if there are other opportunities for you to be able to have this functionality, but not also just expose yourself to everything on the internet. Yeah, I mean, one last thing to kind of think about as a best practice, we've talked about like brand and stuff like that. Um, it's worth noting there's actually a couple really notable open source based IoT management systems. Um, Home Assistant is probably the one I hear the most about. Um, Matt, I think you were mentioning another one. Yeah, there's another one called uh, Hubitat as well. Um, I've personally been using Home Assistant for a while on and off. It's. Um, I don't want to say it's super complex, but it's not for the faint of heart, right? It's not for your average consumer, but um, because it's open source, it works with so many different products out there and lots of cool integrations that you could do. And to Joe's point, you could run a lot of the stuff locally as well, right? So you don't need something that's going to call back to the internet. But uh, yeah, you know, I, I think we've probably beat this topic a little bit to death. Um, probably time to start wrapping up. You know, I, I think my closing thoughts on it would be, yeah, a lot of the IoT stuff is cool. I think we really need to keep in mind how we're using it because just because we're using it in a specific use case doesn't mean that's the only use case it could be used in by others. And, you know, there's that, what's that saying? You know, the the S in IoT stands for security, right? So 
something I always keep in mind as well. Yeah, I mean, I say, you know, my biggest use of IoT is hacking into Joe's network so I can watch when he's falling and he can't get up. That's that's really important for me. Uh, yes, it's important to I mean, all of us. You know, Joe is a national treasure, not only to us, but also to Australia. And, oh, and the train industry, too. And Canadian now as well. International Joe. But yeah, that's been a great episode. It's good talking to you all. Yeah, yeah. just Matt, be sure you lock your stuff down because, you know, you got to remember you did let me in your house and on your Wi-Fi network. So go secure all the things. But but I know I'm safe. You're not wearing a hoodie at the moment. Uh, so okay. uh, there you go. Cool, guys. Well, thanks again for another episode. And to all the listeners, uh, we're glad you sat to listen to us. And we'll probably talk to you in a couple of weeks. Later. Take care. Y'all take care. Bye.